today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. You and I don't need to protect God. God's big enough. He can handle himself. I don't think God would have let the cart tip over. And the thought and the process of man, again, either to do the will of God, to work through the plan of God, to protect God. Guys, we need to understand, just as David understood the the holiness of the anointing of a king, you and I need to know and understand the greatness of the sovereignty of God I don't need to protect God. I don't need to defend God. I don't even need to explain God because God is. Do you ever try to protect God or even try to defend or explain His ways? In his message today, Pastor David shares that you don't need to do this. God is big enough to do these things on His own. When we try to defend or explain God, we do so on a human level, but He is so much bigger than that, and we can't even imagine His ways. Rest assured that God is. God is big enough, He is sovereign enough, and He is powerful enough. How can you step back today and let God be God? Now here's Pastor David in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Warrior King, The Man of Flesh. Once we get over to chapter five, we read that now all of Israel has come to David and they've anointed him as king of Israel. David, how many years? 15 years, I believe it was, that David, from the time that he was anointed until the time that he became king, waiting on God, not rushing it. Opportunities to step in, opportunities to take charge, but he waited on the Lord, waited on the Lord. As a matter of fact, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months when he was just the king of Judah. And then he went to Jerusalem, and there he reigned 33 years over all of Israel and Judah. We find that chapter five, verse four and five. Well, now that David had established the security of his position as king over Israel, he moved upon the city of Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem, uh, in in the midst of all of the conquests that had been made when, when Joshua and the children of Israel came into the promised land, Jerusalem was one city that they, they never did really overcome. Uh, the Jebusites ran it. And uh, you, you think that Jericho was a formidable city, but there was just something about Jerusalem, where it was located, how it was located. They never were able to, again, get the conquest of Jerusalem. And now David sets his sights for the city of Jerusalem. 
And actually in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 11, which is parallel to what we're reading here, uh, we, we see that it was David's commander, Joab, that actually was able to sneak into the city and allowing David's uh, men then to get into the city and defeat the Jebusites, captured the city for David. Uh, in the book of uh, Chronicles, we find, in essence, a parallel of the events that we read in Second Samuel as well as in the Kings. What we see in the book of Samuel and in the books of Kings is more of a secular, more of a uh, almost, I wouldn't say a worldly viewpoint, but more of a, a political viewpoint of the events that were going on. In the book of First and Second Chronicles, we see more of a spiritual or from the eyes of the priests how things were going. So you see parallels, but you see some differences, some more details in one book more than the other on different events. So throughout this study, as we go on through Second Samuel, as we get into First and Second Kings, we'll be bouncing back and forth to First and Second Chronicles. Well, as David continues to seek the leading of the Lord in his life, uh, leading in the uh, life of the nation, how he was going to be the king, where they were going to go, God continues to bless him, and he gives him victory after victory as he continues to to clear out the land. And the kingdom uh, of Israel was becoming much more stable than it had ever been, and it continued to grow both in size as well as in power. Then the Lord allowed David to go after the Ark of the Covenant and chapter 6, we read that. Now, the ark had been away from the people of Israel for a number of years. Remember, the Philistines had it. They got all kinds of stuff. They got boils and uh, infestation of rats and stuff. So they sent it back to Israel, but it didn't make it all the way back to Shiloh. So it had been staying at the house of Abinadab for uh, all these years, and now it was time to go and get it. And there in chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, we read that as they're bringing the ark into Jerusalem, It says that David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpets. And everything sounds absolutely wonderful until you really get into the look at the story. As they began to move the ark, they've got a brand new cart, they've got brand new cattle, they've got everything worked out right. And as they're going along, the house of Abinadab was up on a hill, and as they're kind of coming down that hill, the cart begins to rock. And a fellow by the name of Uzziah, he sticks, uh, or Uzzah, he sticks out his hand just to stay, just to save the ark. And God kills him because he touched the holy thing. Not supposed to touch that, is it? You think, wow, that's not fair, God. That's, that's like, he's trying to do you the right thing, do you a good thing. The ark was about to fall over. You know, every time I look at that, I ponder and I think, am I missing something in there? But the thing that I've come to realize through all of that is, you and I don't need to protect God. God's big enough, he can handle himself. I don't think God would have let the cart tip over. And the thought and the process of man, again, either to do the will of God, to work through the plan of God, to protect God. Guys, we need to understand, just as David understood the the holiness of the anointing of a king, you and I need to know and understand the greatness of the sovereignty of God. I don't need to protect God. I don't need to defend God. I don't even need to explain God. Because God is, 
And the more you and I try to explain or we find ourselves trying to, you know, come up with, uh, you know, all the answers, well, you know, if God is so big, can he, uh, like, uh, make a rock that he can't hold? Or, you know, stupid questions like this that the world tries to make you stumble. The fact is, no, God is. God is. And he is greater than anything that we can even begin to describe or imagine. I believe for, for us, the, the story of Uzzah and the loss of his life, to me anyway, it just speaks about the fact, it just reminds me, I don't need to protect God. I don't need to defend God because God is. Second Samuel chapter 7 and also First Chronicles 17, it shares with us that, that, that there was a covenant that God made with David. One of the things we need to remember is not because David was a perfect man, not because he was doing perfect in all of his ways, but because God had chosen him and God knew David's heart. In the midst of all of David's failings, God had a heart that was after God. God was not going to allow David to build the temple. And that was one of David's desires. Man, I want to build you this temple. But God told him, no, you're, you're, you're a man of war. You're a man of blood. Your son is going to build the temple for me. And he gives him that covenant. He gives him that promise that his son would be the one who would have the honor and the blessings to build it. And then in chapter 8 of 2 Samuel and in 1 Chronicles 18 and 19, we find this uh, recounting of many of the battles that, that David won, uh, the battles that they fought, you know, the, of the enemies around them. The territory of Israel continues to increase during that reign of David. His reign really became the fulfillment of the promises that God had given uh, to Abraham and to Moses and to, to Joshua, as well as the promises that God had, had made to David himself. And in many ways, he's outlying countries, they, they were all part of the original promise that God had given to Abraham and he had given to Moses. And so as they went and took over these countries, David would set up these garrisons out there to, again, show ownership and also to kind of keep peace and control to these countries. So, and also these countries had to pay David again, as, as uh, again, these fees just for being a part of now, you know, Israel owning them and controlling them taxes against those countries. Those garrisons would keep peace, but it was also a buffer for the children of Israel. They knew that before the enemy got to them, they'd have to go through these garrisons, and there would more than likely be a, a warning runners that would come and say, hey, you know, these guys are, are coming at us again. So there was great peace within the nation of Israel, more than they had ever had in their existence from the time that they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, when David, again, set these garrisons up and started taking care of these outside nations. Peace came in. Solomon's rule actually brought about the greatest time of peace. But right now, the people of Israel, they were able to enter into a lifestyle of, of comfort, a lifestyle of peace and ease. And so with David at the helm, with the kingdom uh, being solidified, and uh, we find this nation of Israel, it's now being blessed in several ways. As I said, the people of Israel, they could now live normal lives. They weren't constantly being threatened by their neighbors. Israel could bear witness to the fact that God had been true, 
that their God was a living God, that he accomplished all that he said, all that he promised them that he would do. And again, they saw the fulfillment of the writings of Moses. They were able then at this point in time to begin understanding what those words said. They, they were able to focus then in, then on God and their relationship with God rather than continually fighting against the enemies. David's victories against all these outlying nations, that also enriched the treasury of the Lord. So again, all that material wealth came in and that allowed Solomon then to build the temple when he became king. And again, David's conquest built the kingdom to the greatest size it had ever been and it ever had been since then. During David's reign and during the early part of Solomon's reign, Israel was the biggest that it had ever, ever been. It stretched over such a vast, vast area. But that is the very words that God had given Abraham and that God had promised to Moses. And under David's rule, we see that fulfillment of the things. And beloved, that comes back to me, again, the very fact that if God has spoken it, if God has said it, we can believe it. There used to be the little slogan, a little bumper sticker that says, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. How many of you are old enough to remember that bumper sticker? Okay, five of us are that ancient. Okay. You know the problem with that bumper sticker, don't you? There's a section of it that just ain't true. It is, if God said it, that settles it. Whether you and I believe it or not, if God said it, it's going to take place. And we see that fulfillment right here, and we see it over and over and over. And that's why it amazes me. When I read of all the promises within the word of God for Israel, when I read even in the New Testament where Paul writes in Romans 9, 10, 11 that God's not finished with Israel. And there's so many that say, no, God is done with Israel. It's, it's, it's all over. They're just a nation now. They're just a people. And I say, you have to be blind to be able to think that. Because no other people group had lost their country, lost their uh, everything about them for so many years, 2,000 years. And they've been resurrected as a nation. That's not just a, a nation over there. No, that's a miracle of God. And then you see that little bitty nation, how they have been attacked over and over and over again. It is the miracle of God that's preserved them. How can we look at that and and not see that? Because beloved, I believe that once again, God has said it and that settled it. God is gonna do something with Israel in these last days. And I believe that our eyes need to be open toward Israel and what's going on. Let's move on. Through David, a number of lessons that that we can learn in his life, even thus far at this point in time. First of all, that you can trust God in the worst of situations. Here David was anointed as king, and the present king was trying to kill him every way that he could. And yet David trusted God, even when he had the opportunity to take that king out. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust in God. How many times in our lives when Man, everything just seems to be collapsing in around us. And we're scrambling, we're trying to find. And then when we start making actions and decisions in our own wisdom, we end up with absolute catastrophe. Rather than trusting God 
and allowing him to do a marvelous thing. From David, we learn to wait on God even when it seems like we could do something. There's something, I know that there's something. No, over and over we read in the word, it says, wait on the Lord. Wait patiently on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord, they'll renew their strength. Uh, don't, don't do it under your, under your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust the Lord. He'll direct your path. So we see that in, in David's life in the midst of this. We, we also learn from David that we ought to honor what God honors. And when God has, has placed or anointed or, or set up something, that we ought to honor that same thing. We also learn from David that we ought to have courage before men. Courage before men. We come into situations in our lives, and it might be a job situation. It, it might be uh, you know, the economy. It might be our nation. It might be a neighbor. It might be, there, there's a number of things that, again, we have fear because of what man can do to us. But beloved, that's a fear that you and I ought not have. Can they take our life? Can they destroy our economy? Can they mess up things? Yeah, but you know what? Our God is still in charge. Amen? Okay, I want to make sure that you believe that. Just repeat after me if you would. Our God is still in charge. Our God is still in charge. As a matter of fact, our God is still in charge even when, and then you can fill that blank in, and you might need to fill it in tomorrow different than you fill it in next week, different than you fill it in next year. But beloved, I can guarantee you, our God is still in charge. So courage before men. We also learn from David, we need to have great humility before men. Great humility. Uh, David's position, and he didn't try to push himself in on anything that was great. Man, he was a fierce warrior. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't some milk toast guy. He wasn't some mamby-pamby guy. But he had great humility before men. You see that in, again, later in his life when Shimei is cursing him. And he's, man, you're bloodthirsty. Get out of here. You know, you ought to be killed. And everything's throwing stones at David. And David's got his army behind him. He's got Joab right there. And Shimei, you know, they, they could take him. He was like a, a gnat, you know, and just a big fly swatter would take him out with no problem. But David had that humility even before a guy like Shimei. David had the humility that even with some of his enemies, he wanted to say, hey, look, I, I want to live at peace with you. We Find that out also as we go through the life of David in 2 Samuel. We see that David was a man of order, and he set up an administration with responsibilities and authority within all of his kingdom, and David wasn't afraid to let men succeed. Neither was he afraid to let men fail. He would put them in a position and set them again with responsibilities and authority and allow them to do their work. In chapter 9, we see the tenderness of this warrior king. Uh, again, uh, he, he offers sanctuary to Mephibosheth, uh, the son of Jonathan. And Mephibosheth, uh, during a, one time when they were running from the enemy, uh, his, his nurse dropped him and he had been a cripple all of his life. In chapter 9, verse 6, uh, now when Mephibosheth and the son of Jonathan, the son, or the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. 
and you shall eat bread at my table continually. The compassion shown by David, for me, I, I look at that, and it, it reminds me of the compassion that Christ shows for all of us. You know, every one of us, enemies of his, every one of us, enemies of God, and yet even in that midst, God sent Christ for us. And that's the heart that I see of David. He harbors no animosity toward any. This warrior king, he's now a man of peace. He desires to be at peace with all of his neighbors. When he hears that the king of Ammon has, has died, we, we see this also there in uh, chapter 9, or chapter 10. Uh, we, we find out the king of Ammon has died. And so David decides, well, I'm going to send a, 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 an emissary over to Ammon. Just tell him, hey, look, we are sorry that your dad died. Uh, we, we just want to keep peace with you. But the problem is, is when they got over there, uh, the king of Ammon's son, uh, Hanun, he gets some really, really bad counsel. You know, uh, again, uh, be careful on who you get counsel of. Uh, here, this guy now, he is, he's now the king because his dad had died. So he gets his counsel, and his counsel says, oh, no, no, David is sending this emissary over. Here, he's sending these guys over to spy on you. They're not coming at nice. No, that, this, that's not the deal. You, you, be careful, be careful. So we find out in, in verse 4 of uh, chapter 10 there that, uh, again, uh, Hanun took David's servants, and uh, he shaved off half of their beards and cut off half of their garments in the middle at the buttocks, and he sent them away. There's not a whole lot underneath that robe, okay? And so when they cut that thing off right at the buttocks, there's not a whole lot covering anything at that point in time. And then they go and they cut off half of their beard. It's not like they trimmed it up for them. No, they would cut off half the face, so half of the beard. So again, the humility, because the beard, especially for these Middle Eastern guys, man, that was a sign of virility and strength. You cut off my beard, man, that's, that's, that's a big deal. And so here he's done this. He's shamed these men. Well, David hears about this. He goes down, he meets them halfway. He says, look, you guys stay here till your beards grow out. By the way, we'll get you guys a change of clothes. We'll just stay here. And then David raises up an army. And again, they, he, he goes against them. They decide that they're going to hire armies. And so they contact these surrounding nations to help them fight against David and Israel. God gave David and Joab victory over all of these. Look down in verse 18 of chapter 10. Then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 horsemen of the Syrians and struck Shobach, the commander of their army, who died there. And when all the kings who were servants of Hadassar saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel, and they served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. You think, no, duh. What did we sign up for here? What did you do to David that he is that fierce that, again, he's killed that many people? He's come against us with that much rage. David saw the Ammonites had done, and so he went after it. God gave them great victory. And you would think, man, let's end the story right there. Let David just get old and pass away right there. But I love God's honesty. God is so honest that he shows us Warts, chips, stains, and all. So now this warrior king, we're looking at a man of flesh. Chapter 11. 
what was now a relative time of peace for Israel, and it, uh, pretty peaceful for David. Actually, uh, it opened up one of the darkest chapters in all of his life. What should have been good turned around really bad because of just a few hours worth of going the wrong way. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.